back to be in Matthew chapter 26. This week as I've been thinking about um, communion and our time to be together, um, it's been a joy to, to think my way through uh, Matthew chapter 26, starting verse 17. But before I um, say a lot about Matthew chapter 26, there are certain things that I know as a family, uh, if your family is anything like my family, there are certain things in our families that get certain people excited. And so one of those things in our family, especially my wife, she loves to shop. Uh, any opportunity that she gets or we have opportunity to go out of town or whatever, we're looking for thrift stores, we're looking for just any type of place that we can find a bargain. And uh, she was telling me this morning that she found a bargain uh, at a garage sale. She found a $99 shirt that had never been worn, tagged still on it, and she paid a dollar for it. So she was really excited about that. And what's interesting is now not only do you get to go shopping, you can sit at your own house and either have Amazon, and you can order things and they'll send it right to your house. You never have to leave your house anymore. I find that very, um, you know, interesting. And, uh, and then for us guys, shopping's not a whole lot of fun unless it's something to do with a little bit more money. I don't get excited about spending a dollar. I'd, one day I'd like to drive around one of those. That'd be kind of fun. And so, uh, you know, I do like to dream, and that's uh, one of my dreams is to have a big truck and uh, blow black smoke and just enjoy life. Um, I guess they call that rolling coal if you're not from the, you know, the, the redneck side of yourself in Highlands County. That's called rolling coal. That's what my son informs me. But what's interesting is, and as funny as that can be, then we have a tendency to go shopping with the Bible, don't we? We have a tendency to pick and choose certain things that we like about Scripture. We have a tendency to go to the passages that we know that are really kind of nice and make us feel good. And we say, oh, well, I'll grab that passage and then I'll go about life. And so what's interesting now is we gather and we come to communion. We're going to celebrate communion and we've done it lots of, lots of times. And there's certain things that we like about communion, so, so we'll grab those things. And so this morning, as you, if you have your Bible in front of you, I recognize that we're going to talk about the Passover. I recognize that we're going to talk about redemption. I recognize that we're going to talk about deliverance and obedience. But there's some other things that you need to see this morning. And so as we celebrate communion, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Look at verse 17. I'm going to pick out words. And I'm going to focus on those words. The first word I want you to see is disciples. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples. And so Jesus has this group that have gathered around him. You and I know them as as the disciples. There was 12 of them. What's interesting is you think about a disciple in, in this day and age as you're thinking about Jesus and these men. They gave up everything that they were and had to become obedient to what he taught them. Their life was going to be changed because of his instruction to them. They weren't just going to be individuals that said, oh yeah, I'm going to, I want to come to a Bible study. No, that's not what it was. They were going to become one of his pupils. They were going to become learners. They were going to repeat the things that he said. That's what it meant to become a disciple. They were going to become followers of this guy. They didn't know a whole lot about him. But they were going to become followers. And for three and a half years, they followed this guy around. And he did some amazing things. And he, they saw incredible miracles. Sometimes you, you have some time, go through the book of John. And just watch the miracles that God did through Jesus. So that the world would stop and say, hold on a second. 
There's something different about this guy. He commands winds and water. He raises people from the dead. He casts out demons. What's different about him? And then you think about Nicodemus in John chapter 3. This learned man that should have been prepared for the Messiah stops and asks some questions. You know, it's interesting. If you read through John chapter 3, he doesn't ask his questions in broad daylight. Nicodemus goes and finds this Jesus at nighttime and says, Hey, I need to talk to you. Because when you talk and when you say things, it's different. What's different about you? And then you get John chapter 3, verse 16. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't go into some doctrinal big dissertation and say, okay, this is who I am. He just said, Nicodemus, this is what you need to believe. And before he says John chapter 3, verse 16, he talks to Nicodemus about the snake, the serpent, in the wilderness. And that they lift it up and they looked at it, look and live. And then you get John 3, 16. And so as you watch these guys, and as I think through these individuals, they walk with Jesus, they heard Him teach, and now they're going to do something that they had done. They're going to have Passover. And at this time, all the things that He said, and I don't want to be too harsh on the disciples, because I truly believe their eyes were blinded. The Holy Spirit hadn't unveiled it all to them. And so as they're sitting there, they don't understand They can't comprehend that they're sitting with the Messiah. They can't comprehend that the Isaiah chapter 53 passage is the one sitting in front of them. They don't understand it. They ain't got it yet. But as the disciples sit with Jesus at the Passover, around the table, it's interesting. And I don't know what was going through their mind. But they're thinking back on something The next word I want you to see is the Passover. Look at the end of verse 17, Passover. And I, and what's, you know, for you and I, there's not the significance as this, the Passover would be to a Jew. I want you to think about something here. They've probably been celebrating a Passover celebration for, and it depends on who you want to argue with as far as exactly when you come up with the book of Exodus and when they came out and when Exodus 15 and, and they go along, if you read all... So let's just, for safety's sake, let's just say a thousand years. I think it's probably more like 1,400, but let's just say a thousand years. They've been celebrating a feast. They've been celebrating something that took place somewhere around 1,400 to a thousand years ago called the Passover. What was it? The people were in Egypt. And God had already demonstrated nine miraculous things to say, you know what, I've got power and I'm going to set you free. But there's one last thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to take a lamb. I'm going to ask you to sacrifice that lamb without blemish. And I'm going to ask you to dip the blood of the lamb in with, with a hyssop. And I'm going to ask you to paint the doorpost. And if you do that, when the death angel comes over, your firstborn will not die. And so now as they're sitting around this table... And they've already went about and done the preparation that needed to take place. And they're sitting with their Savior. And they're reclining back, just thinking, you know what, this is just another meal. It's not really a big deal. It was huge. There were words here that should have jumped out to them, but they missed it. The sacrificial lamb was sitting among them. It was their leader. 
It was their, the one that they watched do all the miracles. He's sitting right there in front of them. It was the one that was going to set the Jewish people and ultimately you and I free from the bondage of sin. It was the one that was set in front of them without blemish. It was the one that was set in front of them that was going to sacrifice his life for them. He was going to say, here I am. And so as, you, as we get to this, this Passover and, and you know, we, we think about and, and our tendencies and our traditions, but don't think about your tendency and don't come to this table lightly today. I want us to think about all that's in front of us. I want us to think about Jesus being that sacrificial lamb. I want us to see his willingness to be obedient. There's another word that I want you to see. If you go over to verse, the end of verse 23, the one who has his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. As I was thinking about this betrayal, and I know that you're well aware that Judas got some money out of this. But I wonder if Judas really understood all that was going to take place. Did Judas really know that they were going to kill him? Or was in Judas's mind he was thinking, you know what, I'll just give him over, I'll make some money, and they're just going to, they're just going to beat him, and it won't be a big deal. I mean, I, I mean, these high priests, they've said a lot of different things, but they're, they're really not going to kill him. No matter what is said or not said, or we don't really totally know, but what we know for sure is there was one individual that had a price. There was one individual that was going to step up and say, hey, I'll make sure that we, you, we identify this guy. You give me some silver and I'll work it out for you. We know kind of the amount of silver probably worth five weeks of wages. We also know, if you know things about the the day, that it was probably worth about the price of a slave. We also know that Judas goes later on out and hangs himself. One thing I don't know that we've really thought about is, we come to this table, is when you think about betrayal, betrayal was a sin. So what's your sin this morning? Because we can come to this time frame and we can say, well, you know, we, we want to remember what he did for us, and that is right. We need to remember that his body and his blood. But he died, why? For our sin. And so at this table with these men sitting around him, before we rush to the broken body and, and the forgiveness of sin... We have to say to ourselves, you know what? We're sinners. And so this morning, just a thought, what's your price? If you were at the table, what would have been for you? Well, you, and I know you're real spiritual, be worth a lot more money, I know. But what is really, maybe you could ask yourself, what's the thing of this world that you have placed in place of Jesus. Today. Be honest. Because the truth of the matter is. Every single one of us struggled with sin this week. 
Every single one of us have a tendency towards sin. It comes natural. For all of us. And so as we've gathered around, I want you to see the next word. It's verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to his disciples. Take and eat. This is my body. So I was thinking about this whole bread concept. Something that was pretty normal at the meal. And it's probably pretty normal at most of what you do too. I mean, is anybody... I watched one person this week. I went to lunch with a guy this week. And he ordered... Uh, we were at these. He ordered a He-Man with cheese. Bacon... And he said, I don't want a bun, but I want french fries. What the world's wrong with you? Just go to the gym, eat the bun. I mean, come on, what's the deal? I mean, (laughs) anyway. But most of the, one of the common things that most of us, we eat is bread at meals. It's there. And so as these guys are sitting with their leader... And I'm sure they're in shock that they've just had to wrestle with the whole concept that they're gonna, they're gonna, somebody's going to betray their leader. And I'm sure they're thinking, you know what, just let us take the guy out. Whoever it is, we'll put the whoop on him. We'll take care of him because nobody's going after our leader. But then he hands something. He picks something up. And I kind of a neat word picture in my mind is as soon as Jesus picked up that piece of bread, it became special. Whenever, whatever Jesus touches is special. So he picks up a piece of bread. And then he broke it. But what I've been thinking about is, these gentlemen that are now sitting with this Savior, their leader, their their one they're following, is going to have to watch their leader's body be torn apart. And so as I'm thinking about this whole bread, I'm thinking, you know what? He broke the bread... And they grabbed and pulled pieces of the bread off. Just the way that he was going to give up his body. Just what it was going to look like when that soldier took that whip and wrapped it around his body. And then the flesh would be torn off when he pulled it off. That's what he was demonstrating to them. And another fascinating thing to me as I think about this bread. Is that he gave it for them. This is my body, which is for you. I don't know of any other person that ever walked this earth other than Jesus that actually, when he came to earth, his whole purpose was to die for us. That was his whole objective. It wasn't about playing golf. It was never about a softball game. It was never about where he's going to get the best shopping deal. It was never about what he got excited about buying the best horse or the best chariot or having the coolest pair of sandals. It was never about, never about anything that he wore. He just knew that he was going to come walk this earth knowing that his body, that he was going to give up his body. That's what he came for. 
And now, 2,000 years later, we gather in our quote-unquote assigned seats with the air conditioner at a certain level, depending on which, who you are, and a table is in front of you. And you don't take this for granted, please. Don't miss what he's saying to you. Don't miss when we pass around the, out of just tradition and out of just normalcy. Oh yeah, it's communion. That's just what we do. We just grab that piece of bread and we, you know, we eat it and we pray and we read certain verses. No, no. Grab a hold of that piece of, of bread and say, hold on a second. This is his body that he gave for me. Because I had some sin issues. And remind yourself that he was willing to lay it down for you. Another thing that I've been thinking about is the next verse. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them. Saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for their happiness, their joy, their excitement in life. No. Why was his blood poured? For the forgiveness of sin. Because, see, he knew about the garden. He was there. And he knew that without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. It had to happen. And you think back through some of the Old Testament, Adam and Eve, the animal blood that was shed so they could have clothing, Abraham and Isaac, the bloodshed, Israel leaving Egypt, bloodshed, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without what? The shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But this is kind of what kind of got to me. I was thinking that um, we have this little thing that we do, our husband and wife thing. Um, it's kind of a joke now, but you know, if I was at Publix the other day, and... Um, my blood pressure is normally lower than Susan's blood pressure. Um, and so we, I kind of tease her about it. And she has this white coat syndrome. If she sees a doctor, her blood pressure will go up. If you take it three times, it'll come back down. She can get it back down to where it's supposed to be. But it always goes up. So I was just sitting. So I, for fun, the other, the other day I went and sat at the um, thing at Publix. And I took my blood pressure. And uh, I don't think it was, it wasn't 130 or over 84, and it, well, that's not my blood pressure, but anyway. Um, but I was thinking, just as an illustration, we know that a lot of people in America suffer from high blood pressure. So what if, what if God said to you, hey, if you be willing to die, I'll fix all the high blood pressure for the, in the whole world. I can fix it. With you. I, just need your, I just need your body. I just need you to be willing to say, hey, I'll, I'll die for high blood pressure. And how many of us would say, you know what, we realize that, yeah, that high blood pressure leads to strokes and heart attacks. And Think about how many millions of lives we can save. So, okay, God, no problem, I'll die. I'm not sure one of us in this room would do it. Because we enjoy the things of this earth. 
And so this morning, as, you, as you're sitting here, just think, he was willing to die for you. He was willing. I told the students on Wednesday night, there wasn't a Roman soldier or armies of soldiers that were strong enough to take his hand and hold it onto a cross if he didn't want it there. There wasn't, there wasn't enough. But he willingly just said, okay, go ahead. By the way, I know your name. I know how many hairs you have. I know your beard. I know your family issues. And just so you know, before you drive this nail into my arm, I could take your life if I want to. And for a lot of fun, I could call down 10,000 angels. But I'm not going to do any of those things. Because he knew you and I had a sin problem. And he knew that his dad would say, you know what, unless you die, they will not have forgiveness. But there's one last thing before we do take communion that I want you to see. is the Mount of Olives. All the way down in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now I realize when we talk about the Mount of Olives, it's probably never brought up at communion. Most of the time it's not brought up at communion. But I was thinking about it. Garden of Gethsemane. Mount of Olives. There's a great word picture here. It was where they would take the olives from the tree in the garden. And you know what they did to him? They crushed him. Now when they arrested him, where was he? In the garden of Gethsemane by the Mount of Olives. When he was saying to his father in that garden, not my will be done, but yours, he knew what was happening. They were going to crush him. That was what was going to take place. And he was willing to say, all right, I surrender. The place that he prayed, the place that he was arrested, was a place that he demonstrated obedience, love, and sacrifice for you. And so if you put all these words together in this morning... You have a disciples. Who are you following? You have the word Passover. Redemption and obedience only comes from there. It's a great picture. Betrayal. How are you doing with your sin? The bread and juice. Are you saying thank you today for his death on the cross? The Mount of Olives. Are you saying, not my will, but yours be done? If that doesn't make sense, if I haven't got it all together in your mind, I have one last thing that I want to show you and then we're going to do communion. Before... Before the guys come, before you come, I have one more thing that I want to show this morning, and then we'll take communion.
This morning, if that's what you believe, this communion table is open to you. The men come. We celebrate this morning the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. We stop and do this in remembrance of Him. If that's what you are, or that's what you're saying, then please join us as we celebrate.
uh, communion together here at Bible Fellowship Church. So I ask the men to go ahead and take, if you don't mind just taking it and passing down. Yeah, just go ahead and we'll just pass it right on in. Once you um, have the bread in your hand, I'd like to read a verse and pray, and then uh, we can celebrate communion together. So if you don't mind.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives these words to this church. What I receive from the Lord, but I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is, the, which is for you. Do this in remembrance to me. Jesus, I want to stop this morning and say thank you that you are willing to give your body for me personally. Thank you for being willing to say yes to your Father so that I can know your Father is my Father. So my life has never been the same because I met you. My prayer is that all of our family sitting here, that their lives will never be the same because you were willing to die for them. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.